0: DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right, pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, wager paid out, and site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. welcome everybody if you're listening to this i'm going to apologize in advance there must be something wrong with you But there's also something wrong with us that we're even here doing this. Uh, This is Process Potables, episode 92, titled The Pass Heard Round the World. I am Dan, your host. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Says That I Am Joined as usual by my co-host Steve on Twitter at SWJones87 and friend of the pod, recurring guest, our favorite Marty Teller on Twitter at MWTeller. Make sure that you follow all of our socials at ProcessPotables across the board, Twitter, <coughs> Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Untapped, everything like that. Guys, I appreciate you biting the bullet and hopping on here with me to do this. I, I'm sure all of us have... A, Bit of a confliction in whether we even want to do this, but I think that people are looking for answers. The timeline today was something else. I myself actually stayed off of Twitter for a good like 24 to 36 hours after the debacle of game five and then found my way back as I believed again in game six, was rewarded you know had a pretty nice weekend and then you know me and Steve were in attendance last night which was just you know back to back two of the worst sporting events that I've ever attended in my life the the one that I've always talked about uh up to this season with the Sixers was attending I th- I forget now. It was either 2010 or 2011. Uh, NLDS. It was Game Two. Cliff Lee's pitching. They get out to like a four or five nothing lead against the Cardinals, and then the Cardinals come all the way back and win the game and end up winning the series. And it was basically the end of that Phillies run uh, from like 06 to 2011 or what have you. Uh, ends with Ryan Howard, you know, tearing his Achilles or whatever it ended up being, and and really just felt like the end them so I still think that's the worst thing that I've attended but these last two Sixers playoff games are, are absolutely in my top three now so it's just pain everything is pain it really hurts Um, I wanted to start the episode with giving everybody here you know two to three minutes give or take uh, to just say whatever you want we have a rundown we have things we plan to talk about but Sometimes we tend to, to go off on tangents, and I'm sure there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of thoughts. There's there's a lot. You know, we're we're less than 24 hours removed from that game actually coming to a resolution. So uh, we haven't had much time to deal with it. I don't know about you guys. I, I didn't sleep very much. I still made it to work today. Work was actually a pretty welcome distraction for me, which in the past, I feel like I would have been curled up in a ball and not even gone to work. And the fact that I managed to successfully continue to do my adult responsibilities after both Game Five and Game Seven feel like feel like major milestones in my life. That's so progress. Not not That's to progress, pat myself man. on the back too hard uh, to the point that I hurt myself, but um, you know, it came to the point where I actually said, you know, what? I think I need to go to work to get to get through this. And and I welcomed it. And I found myself having dinner afterwards and being like. Ah, oh, crap! Now what do I do? Like now, my brain is is on this, and I don't know what else. And I I don't I don't know what my personality is anymore. I don't know what what, what my hobbies are. I don't know what I like uh, now that I I can't really like or enjoy this. And it, it, it's been a very difficult reality to come to terms with. And I'm probably gonna need the rest of the week to figure it out. But Marty, you are the guest. Uh, I w- I want to let you start off. So whatever you want. You know, two to three minutes. Just tell us, you know, anything you've got on, on your mind, on your chest right now. Just let it all out. This is a safe space.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I committed to this before uh, we knew what was going to happen with this series. We were hoping it was going to be a, a celebration pod, but yep, uh, it's okay, man. It's okay. I think we're we're all doing all right. It's not life or death. It's just a game. Um, it definitely sucks. Um, the one thing I would just say is like everyone should just kind of like take a step back and just think about, like, there's only one championship winner, right? So, like, let's say the Clippers lose, in which they could very well do in the Western Conference Finals. Their season's a failure. The Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic, their season's a failure. They didn't even get out of the first round. Uh, Portland, Dame, like, everyone wants Dame. I love Dame. We all love Dame. They can't – they've been, like, one Western Conference Finals. Like, getting to the Western Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, winning a championship in the NBA – honestly seems like the, the more I watch over the la- last 25 years, it, it seems like it's virtually impossible, you know, unless you have LeBron, unless you can build a super team and you're in L.A. or New York or, or not even New York, really, I mean, until <laughs> recently, but, but Miami, like, it just seems so hard. And so, you know, I don't want to cut anyone slack. I don't want to let anyone off the hook. But I think at the same time, like, it's just important to remember that there's, like, literally 20 eight 29 other fan bases that are going to look at the season as like like the jazz like you don't think utah jazz fans are down bad right now like they thought they were winning at all now we might laugh at them from the outside but but vice versa and so you know i just think that it's such you know maury always talks about like your your percentages of winning and you know how you can improve you know from five percent to six percent and seven percent to eight percent like it's just really hard and i think um we all maybe have like unrealistic expectations like and and it looked like the path was so set up for us and I think the more that that happened the more nervous it made me because it's like that doesn't seem like the way it would go for us like it feels like we would never get the easy way way out it would be like it'll be in a different sort of fashion if we're ever fortunate enough to win it and I think Milwaukee kind of dealt with that this year where like you almost kind of have to deal with your failures and like get over that hump and face, like face those things. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not like, I know everyone's sort of like, woe was me apocalypse? You know, I remember like two years ago or three years ago when we lost to the Celtics, there was like the famous, like spike rant that like we're fucked. And like, and then it was like, well, actually no, we're not. Cause then we come back with like Jimmy Butler and Tobias and had a real chance. And then, you know, that summer got screwed up and, you know, then the bubble happens. It's like, I don't know, man. I'm not like I don't think the end is near. You know, maybe it is for Simmons. We'll talk about that. But this team still has some more runs left in it. There's still some more bullets that they can fire. Maury's a smart guy. Um I'm not as down anywhere near as down on doc as I think most people are, which again we'll get into. I know I'm in like the very, very like minority on that. But um I, I don't want to say like I'm feeling good, because I'm certainly not, but Um, I'm not probably feeling quite as bad as maybe I have in the past, and I don't know what's giving me that perspective, but um, I think it's just seeing how hard it is to advance and to actually win an NBA championship.
0: Well, it was really funny to have you go before Steve because I feel like we're about to get the exact opposite. We're going to back down, baby. Uh, (laughs) Steve Steve has asked me to start his segment off with a sound clip, so I will play the clip, and then Steve, the floor is yours.
1: Oh, I'm fine. It's just that life is pointless and nothing matters and I'm always tired. Also, I can't sleep. I'm overeating. None of my old hobbies interest me.
2: So those are my words. Um, or at least until uh, Marty just sort of talked me off the edge there. Uh, every, It's kind of funny how a lot of people just had the reaction, there's no words. And I disagree. There's a lot of words. It, it's a big combination of You know, disgust and anger and just being let down, being sad, being depressed. It just, dude, those games five and seven we went to just, those were the two worst games I'd ever been to. And I think, Dan, I think I put them over that 2011 NLDS loss because I I will never forget being in your basement just screaming at the TV at Ryan Howard and just being so so mad, but man, th- at the end of the day, like basketball is my number one sport. And as much as I enjoyed that Phillies run, I've I've kind of joked about it, but I'm also kind of serious that I probably won't enjoy baseball like that ever again. It was probably more of a one off thing. But boy, that was a it was just really deflating. Well,
0: Steve, I just want to make it. I was talking about things that I've attended.
2: Okay, fair enough. Uh, Because I know a lot of people are putting out on their list of the worst, you know, Philly moments in sports or disappointments and things like that. So, uh, But anyway, it's just, uh, dude, it was really tough. And a large part of it is because this past year, I was the biggest defender of Carson Wentz right up until he, you know, quit on the team and the city and everyone. And I just thought he would get it together, and it didn't. And it's almost, it's very, very similar. There's a lot of overlap between that and with now Ben Simmons. I know in the past few months I started to accept like, okay, Ben, this is who he is. We, we might not get any better here, but I still, it's not, I don't want to think I have this blind faith and lo- you know loyalty to these people, but it's just like, but part of that is just like being a fan, man. You just want to, you know, enjoy the ride and just, Hope that they pull through, man. Because we just see too often on social media and elsewhere where people just care so much more about being right above anything else that they're not enjoying the ride. And dude, as much as his heartache and disappointment and whatever you want to call it, it's how much it all sucks, dude. I mean, Joel Embiid has been the best person I've ever got to watch play a sport. And then some from following him on social media. I mean, he's a great, he's this gigantic personality that's a once in a lifetime guy that's just larger than life. And he's just an incredible, rare talent and basketball player. So it sucks, but dude, I'm still here for the ride. And I agree with Marty. We never know what next year brings. Uh, I feel probably a little more optimistic in this off season than past off seasons because we have Daryl Morey, um, you know. Now, with that said, Ben Simmons uh, and Doc are my two biggest guys that I feel hold the brunt of the blame here. And we're going to get to that, uh, so. Yeah, we'll get to that. But, I mean, um, I, I still have that, you know, maybe it's blind faith or whatever you want to call it, but, you know, if, if – if Maury could flip, you know, Al Horford for Danny Green, I mean, you know, if there's one general manager who could get us the best possible return for Ben Simmons or whomever, it's him. So it sucks. I'm going through the motions of it, but I I still have that optimism in me.
0: You have both made me change the tone of of what my, you know, so-called monologue will be with what you said. And I'm hoping that you know, maybe the, the combination of all three of us can can help a lot of people through this if they listen to this. So I hope that they do. Steve, you hit on two of the biggest things for me. And and um Marty also kind of, you know, hinted toward this in his as well. So I think we all agree here. The reason to be the most optimistic this off season, it, it doesn't mean that you have to be happy with what happened or Devastated about what happened, but the reason I have hope now, going forward, because the reality is this season is over for us. We have to move on to the next one, and the reason that faith is Daryl Morey, because when we talk about you know the doom and gloom and the doomsday, and oh we're stuck, you know Marty talked about you know bull- bullets taken so fire, you know a- assets in the war chest, as as Celtics fans were saying for years. We thought that Al Horford was going to be one of those things. Where we're like, oh no, like we're stuck with this. Holy shit! Like, can you believe this? Like, this guy's here for four years, like a hundred and nine million dollars, and then, bam! One Daryl walks in the room and says, "Nah, he's gone." And here comes Danny Green, and it's like, what? I, I didn't think that was possible. So, you know, we're 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 trained from past years of having no idea who the GM even is, having a a five headed monster of a GM having a a guy who spent like two years in the G league and all of a sudden is running a a major NBA operation in a, in a significant market to now having a guy who absolutely knows what he's doing and proved that this season, at least in the front office way, I, I think gives you reason to believe. And the other thing that you touched on Steve, that is the absolute most important thing for me. And I wrote an article about this, you know, in the middle of the season about, you know, Just shut up and enjoy the team. Enjoy the ride because even though this result is obviously not what anybody wanted, like this season as a whole was so much fun. I enjoyed it so much. I felt like for the most part, even those people that would rather be right than root for the team, you know, found times where they were just like, you know what? Like, I really don't have anything to complain about. Like, this is good. And we were having fun, and they were winning. And a lot of that all stems to Joel Embiid. And I'm 100% with you. I know, you know, this isn't anything new. A lot of people feel this way. But he is he's my favorite athlete that the city's had in my life. Uh, which makes him basically my favorite athlete of all time, because I mean you could talk about guys before I was born, how great they were or whatever that's fine i I don't care this is what I've seen with my eyes this is what I've experienced this is what I have witnessed like you said the the off the court stuff resonates with me the the social media stuff resonates with me his personality on the court resonates with me his 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 passion the the entire you know the entire process of you know, getting to finally see him, to to obtain him, to watch him grow, everything, and to see him honestly be the MVP of the league this season. I don't give a shit about who got the award, and I'm not here to trash Jokic's great season, but Embiid and, and was the MVP for me, and like all that is just a win. All that is just a, such a significant win, and knowing that we have Joel Embiid, Going forward and like the 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 one group of people that I that I have to say and, and I'll I'll eat shit on this if I'm wrong. But the one group of people that I, I have to say, like shut the fuck up to are people talking about Joel be forcing his way out of here. There's no fucking way that guy is going anywhere. The the franchise is built around him, always has been. That's the plan going forward. None of this changes that. That's what they're gonna do. He's too good. He's too important. He loves it. Like there's no, there's no reason for it. He's gonna be super max eligible. He's 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 the face of the city. It's it's a joke. It's absolutely laughable to imagine that that he's not gonna be here uh of of his own volition, of the front office's volition, of, of anything. So that's the one thing I don't want to hear about. You can you can give me 35 Ben Simmons trade scenarios, you can give me 13 guys you'd rather have as the coach. You can give me 80 different variations of a starting lineup next year. I, I don't care. Joel Embiid is in all of it. He's here. He's a part of it. Enjoy it. Appreciate it.
1: Appreciate him. That's all I have for that. Um, I just want to say one thing quickly about the Embiid thing. You're exactly right. Like, if anyone thinks that Maury's going to do anything this summer that's not hand-in-hand hand and in communication with Joel, like, they're nuts. I mean, has mm-hmm. already talked about how, you know, he texts with Joe all the time. And and it's honestly, like, it's one of the things I've found notable throughout the season where, you know, he didn't really mention doing the same things with Ben and Tobias. So to me, you know, the organization, maybe at one point they weren't totally positive, but I think now they understand and know that this organization, like, lives and dies with Joel Embiid, and, like, he's the person who matters. And I think what's nice is it seems like Joel also has like understood that he's the one that matters and that he's upped his game as far as his diet and his regimen and being prepared and you know there's still some shortcomings in my opinion like you know he's got to find a way to be better in fourth quarters of games in the playoffs you know and that's nitpicky maybe a little bit but if you're going to be an mvp if you're going to be you know what who leads us to a championship like you need to dominate fourth quarters and so that's something they're going to have to figure out. He's going to have to figure out. They they delivered him to the, you know, as Brett would always say, like, they delivered him to the postseason healthy, um, mostly because he had an injury towards the end of the season. And then he took the uh, unfortunate fall against Washington. So, you know, just unlucky. But, I mean, he is the cornerstone. I agree with you. Like, I, I, if that were to happen, I would be, I'm like, hurt as a fan, but I would be, like, astonished. Like, I would be very shocked if, if we were to see that in the next year or two versus him taking, like, some sort of super max extension. Yeah.
2: You're, you're both right. And I agree with everything you guys said I did. I'm not going to lie. I explored that thought in my head just because, you know, mm-hmm. going to games five and seven in person and just to see the team fall apart. I, I don't think it's wrong to kind of have that thought in the back of your mind. And maybe I'm kind of having it just to prepare it in the very, very slim possibility that it does happen. Uh, If there's one thing, though, in the NBA, if there's no other league or sport where players are just able to force their way out of a team and if the, you know, the Harden, the Westbrook and the Chris Paul uh, trades are any indication, I mean, it, you know, any player contract is almost tradable, it seems like. But um, again, I don't, you know, I agree with you guys. It's not going to happen, but. Uh, and I'm not speaking on behalf of people that think he's going to force his way up, but that's that's where I can see why people do think that.
0: Sure, I just <laughs> I want them to shut the fuck up. That's all that I
1: want. I want them to shut the fuck up. And and, and we're all prisoners of the moment. That's the thing. Like you don't think like yeah. you know after last year, you could have convinced me. Like man, the vibes were not good. Like the vibes were so good this year. I mean, like, everybody said did, it last year. There's no convincing we, needed. <laughs> Exactly. And, and Maury, you know, again, this isn't, this team wasn't good enough for the playoffs. That's what it showed. It was a, it was a reality check, but they were the number one seed for a reason. And so, and that was just one off season with his hand tied behind his back with that Horford deal, you know? So imagine now with a whole year of data to, to, you know, what guys can and can't do, what Maury saw behind the scenes, you know, the relationship hopefully between him and Doc coming closer open and honest communication between the two of them. Where are you know doc shortcomings? Absolutely. Hey Daryl, you you made some mistakes this year too. Like where was that stretch five everyone knew we needed to have that you didn't get? Like that's how you get better as a team. Like just firing people, you know, I, I don't know if we want to get into the doc thing now, but this like, this like snap reaction against Doc, like I think it's funny how everyone all all of a sudden has like <clears throat> a masters in like lineup theory and like (laughs) somehow like it's it's so obvious you can't play this guy with this guy because like the plus minus tells you this well here's the reality guys you have Sheikh Milton on your bench who's fine sometimes terrible other times George Hill who was we all thought was going to be good who looked completely washed Dwight for as bad as he was is probably the best backup center besides Horford who was paid $30 million, basically, the best backup center Embiid's ever had, Furkan, who had to move into the starting lineup because Danny Green was out, and Matisse, who can't play offense. So it's like everyone's got these answers of like, oh, like you can't play this guy with this, and why did he play this lineup, and why did he do that? Well, here's the thing, guys. You can only play five people at a time. All of our our lineups with Joel Embiid are positive because Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. You can't play Joel Embiid 48 minutes. Right. So you're going to have lineups that are weaker. And it's like, everyone's like, he should have played Ben at the five. We've seen Ben at the five. It doesn't work. So, like, none of it works. So I'm sorry, Dwight. Everyone, I heard somebody say on a pod today, Dwight played extended minutes last night. He played seven minutes. <laughs> like, MB played 41. Tobias played 45. Like, what else... You know, to me, like if you want to convince me on a doc argument, and I'm not saying he's not without fault, and there definitely is a weird trend with the way his teams blow leads and blow leads in series, I get that. Like, I'm not saying he's, he's not without fault by any means. But like there's a guy on Twitter named Steve Jones. I think he's like a ex scout or ex-coach who do, does a lot of X's and O's stuff. And he's very complimentary of like the stuff the Sixers do. Um, especially offensively. And I think Dan Burke, the coach for Indiana. Obviously led us to the number one or number two rated defense in the league. So, like, as much as, like, this is, like, this referendum on coaching, I got into it in my monologue. Like, everyone wants Rick Carlisle. Luka Doncic hated Rick Carlisle. That's part of why he's not here. Rick Carlisle couldn't get out of the first round the last two years. Terry Stotts, everyone's like, Terry Stotts, Terry Stotts. Terry Stotts can't do anything with one of the best backcourts in the league. Um, you know, Ty Lue, yeah, Ty Lue would be great. He's also – the Clippers are good, and they had a shitty year last year. And whether that's Doc's fault, maybe. But you don't think those guys wanted to bounce back? Maybe they just needed a year together. So, to me, this, like, we're, you know, this we're not going anywhere until we fire Doc, like, that stuff is as much bullshit to me as this Embiid stuff that you said, Dan.
2: Yeah, and to your point, Marty, one, um, one thing to add is uh, I – At game seven, one thing I kept hearing was, like, run a play, Doc, run a play. And it's like, okay, everyone knows, like, how bad our half-court offense is with Ben Simmons at the point guard. So it's like, okay, one, what, like, you know, player are you going to run? And two, like, you saw how, like, a lot of these quote-unquote plays didn't execute to begin with. And
1: here's the other thing. (laughs) Run a play. He ran a play, uh, the, the game they lost when Tobias dumped it off to Embiid and he blew the bunny And I had people trying to argue with me that that wasn't a good play because Joel's not a good role man. Joel, hey, he got Joel a layup. Like, what are we talking about? (laughs) So, like, again, like, our guys are limited. Like, Seth Curry was cooking last night, and guess what? He gave it all back against Kevin Herter. Like, there's only so much you can do with the lineup that you have when, you know, yeah, it sucks you can't play certain guys together, but here's the reality. Sometimes you have to because you can't play guys the whole game. You can't. That's... When you do that, you have Kevin Durant shoot an air ball at the end of overtime because he he you couldn't find him two, three minutes of real game time to take a breather. So I just, the whole lineup theory thing, like, okay, here's what I want you to do. Like, get on your Excel spreadsheet and map me out a rotation that you would feel totally positive throughout a game. And then you have to make sure no one gets in foul trouble and that there isn't a weird run that all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, or... Someone twists an ankle or, or somebody bangs their shoulder. Like, it's just I, that thing that bothers me. That whole, like, oh, you know, I know better. I know what lineups we should run because I look at like NBA.com, like plus minus data on lineups. Like, get the fuck out of here with that. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> one of our
0: talking points was this Doc safe? So clearly, Marty uh, is, is all aboard the Doc train. Steve, you have anything else on Doc?
1: I'm not even all aboard the doc train. Like I, I'm not. Well, I just I mean, mean like, what, I
0: mean, you don't, you don't think he's going anywhere.
1: No. And I don't think you need to, I think you sit down in an off season and if you're doc, you're like, Hey Daryl, you know what would have been really helpful is to give me another center option besides Dwight and Mike Scott. And if you're Daryl, you're like, okay, I appreciate that feedback. Hey, you know what would be helpful? Don't play Matisse, Ben and Dwight together. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have those conversations and it, That's how you get better as like a business company organization. Like you have open and honest communication about, hey, this is where I felt you left me down with the roster. Hey, here is where I think you misutilized your roster, and then you work through that. I I just think it's crazy to think like firing Doc, who led the team to the number. Like, let's be clear, the best record in the East, and everyone was happier than they've ever been, and everyone hated Brett, like because. Brett couldn't get Ben to shoot and all this other stuff like you know sometimes it's the guys in the locker room I hate to tell you like sometimes it's
0: it's, you mean you mean the guys that play the game
1: have an impact the guys that actually play the game and (laughs) Daryl Daryl has even said and I forget what what podcast there might even been a Sixers podcast like he would rather have a coach who gets along with the players and and keeps you know everyone in the ship than an X's and O's guy that Like doesn't have like the Brad Stevens situation, right? He would rather have doc than Brad. And I am 100% in agreement. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: My, my, my thing with doc, I, I agree with everything he said. And then that was going to be my point ultimately was that when I was looking up stuff to do this, I was looking up a lot of uh, stuff about Brett's exit last year. And, man, like, some of the quotes from the players are – I don't – I think people already forget that that locker room was in shambles. And everybody was talking about how nobody was accountable and the mood wasn't right. And, like, we spent the last two years of Brett's tenure talking about, like, oh, these guys need to spend more time together. They need to hang out. They need to be friends. They need to go to dinner. And it's like, did you have – a single conversation about that this entire (laughs) season. No, the locker room. I mean, it, and again, it it is the guys on the court and it's the guys in the locker room too. I think it really helped having Danny green here. I think it really helped having Dwight Howard here. Yeah. Like those guys did so much for the locker room. They are veterans. They are title. They they have rings. They are, are, they have accolades. Like they are well-respected around the league for their on the court. And, yeah, Dwight's had a little bit of an up and down, you know, career in the locker room, but at this point he he really seems like he's, you know, finally accepted I'm a vet, I'm a bench guy and now he's just having fun. And all season he was like, I love it here. I love this locker room. I love Joel, like everything. It was great. I understand that Dwight didn't look great at times in the playoffs, but well, like you said, he's still the best backup big that we've had. Uh, I mean, I think he's better than Horford anyway. But if you could entertain me, the conversation with Horford. I mean, obviously, like just as a basketball player, I guess at this point Horford's probably so better than him. But as a backup five to Joel, I think Dwight's better than than Horford even was. And like, regardless of all that, it's just it's just you know the mood and everything. And things like that. So I I don't know what else you want Doc to do. Steve, like you said, people were talking about you know run plays, run plays. It's like, dude, you're you're playing – most of the time they're playing three on five on the offensive end of the court. I mean, (laughs) Ben Ben had no idea what to do. He's just like, please, someone take the ball for me, and then I'm going to set a screen for you. And I don't know what you're going to do with this screen, but this is the only thing I know how to do right now. And I don't know – with Tobias, I feel like he has to have been hurt for at least the last month, if not longer, because he looks like he lost a significant step uh, that he I had in the you. regular season for sure.
1: I, I agree with you. He he looked banged up down the stretch a little bit. I don't want to make excuses for him. No, um, you I know, mean everybody's he, he,
0: banged he, up, and that's why he. I mean, yeah. he didn't say anything about it. He's out there playing forty-five minutes, like you said. So it's that's, not
1: right, right. And like you know, there's you don't get credit for trying for sure, but like he he wasn't afraid to shoot um last night which was like you know half of the battle apparently like and and for some of these guys like you know just being able like to to put a shot up and so you know I give him credit you know and one of the notes I made last night like about Tobias and everyone knows that I'm a Tobias guy and I think he's a positive influence on the team I think he's a plus on both sides of the ball now um you know will he ever be worth that contract you know probably not but um if he was your third guy you know, if you had a true second guy, and and the team was comfortable paying him to be the third guy, um, I think he would be really good in that role. The problem is Ben's just not good enough on this team to be the second guy, um, and so then you kinda are kind of are pushing Tobias' usage up to that like second level, and I just he he just isn't good enough for that, and so.
0: Well, is Ben um, not good enough, or is he not willing to be?
1: I don't think that even. I think Ben and Joel – I don't want to get into, like, the Ben and Joel can coexist. They definitely can. But if, it, if if it's them two and Ben is, like, peak Ben or, you know, even if it's not the Ben we want to be, if it's the Ben that has been in the past, like, I think there was a couple articles today. I think you sent me, Dan. Like, I completely forgot about this. Like, his first playoffs when he shot, like, 70% from the line mm-hmm. against, like, Miami and, like, you know, was, was still kind of doing some things. If you had that, then I think you probably need a different third guy if that makes sense, like like someone that could yeah. do a little bit more. Um, I, I don't think, I guess the broader way to say this is, like, I don't think Ben, Embiid, and, and Tobias are good enough together to win a championship. I, I just don't think so. I, I I had hoped that was the case, and it looked like the league was kind of opening up and there was a window. But as I look at it more now, and I look at, like, you know, like, Middleton, I want to talk about Middleton for a second, like, I know he's a guy that's been maligned, I don't know if, I think you're not a big fan of him, Dan, if I remember, but, dude, he's a shot maker, man, and he's good, and, like, he has, like, like, 5% more than Tobias, and I think it's, like, like that much difference of, like, us and them, and I think, like, I think they do just have enough between Drew, Giannis, and Middleton, I don't know if the, their other, the supporting kiss is good enough, but I like that top three, and I feel like, our top three is just slightly underneath that. That's just my opinion. I
0: agree completely. I didn't feel that way until this season, but I know that me and you have both been Bucks guys for these playoffs. And my biggest yeah, reason, we got that right. Man. My biggest reason up. for them was the fact that I thought Middleton took a big step, and he he, he had a really up and down series with Brooklyn. But he's the reason they ultimately won the series. He
1: is. He, he was the guy they put the ball into. Because, like, you know, similar, like almost not, not quite as similar as it's been. But with Giannis, there, there's issues when you go to him. And right. um, they were able to give Middleton the ball, man. And even games when he shot, like not great. Like he didn't care, man. But do he you was, imagine the he,
0: stones it takes for Chris Middleton to have been going basically possession for possession with Kevin Durant and coming out on top? Yeah.
1: That's really, big. That's really, big time, it was, man. It was impressive, man. And sometimes you don't know till you see guys in this position, and that's why it was good to see Tobias. Like after that four point debacle, which even his best fans like us were like, "This is bullshit, man!" Yeah. Like you can't no, I was do pissed. this. He I was he pissed. came back and, and and had the game that he did, which was a C minus game, but like he put it out there. I, I in my opinion, he put it out there and right. you know bend in it, and, and you know we'll, we'll we can talk about Ben now if you want, but I mean my frustration. I don't even think it, like, has boiled over. It's just I've come to a realization it's almost like the false thing, man. Like, I just don't think it's going to happen here.
2: And, and, see, you guys just talk at length about Chris Middleton going toe-to-toe with Kevin Durant when Giannis just couldn't finish the game. And that is why this group of Tobias and Ben and Joel is just not good enough because we don't have that guy outside of MB that can be like, you know what, I'm going to close this game. I'm going to make the big shots. And – and I mean, as much, I mean, all three of us have been Tobias guys and Tobias hasn't done that in the postseason. He can, I've always talked about how Tobias is like this silent assassin in the past. Like sometimes he can get you 20, 30 points and it's almost unrecognizable, but if it's the fourth quarter and Embiid's in foul trouble or he, or his shots just aren't falling, like, You know, have we ever really seen Tobias be like? You know what? I'm taking over. I got this. We're going to be good. And that's what we don't have.
1: Yeah, it happened once or twice this regular season where it was like, oh, okay, but not certainly not enough to like convince you. And and he definitely didn't do it in the playoffs. I agree.
0: No, and I mean, like, what you look at Tobias's entire season this year versus last year, and the bounce back, considering that he had already gotten paid, is what makes me you know, still be a fan of his still be a defender of his because last season was rough and and everybody was upset and it was and it was completely justified. And this season I don't think obviously, you know, this wasn't a great series for him. But one, he was incredible against Washington. So we've seen it in the playoffs. I know Washington right. doesn't really count that much. And I think that he definitely had opportunities against this Atlanta team. But here's here's the one thing, you know, we're we're basically just gonna you know, talk about a lot of the, the deficiencies for the Sixers. But here's one thing about Atlanta that was not talked about enough going into this series or going into the postseason in general. And then even after they, they dispatched the Knicks, I don't think they were getting credit. Like, they're long. They're big. They're yeah. long. And that's where, like, I kind of differ with it. Like, again, I don't – this isn't a year where the backup center thing should be that big of a deal. I understand people have uh, some of their issues with Dwight and not having a stretch five and what have you. But Atlanta plays two – traditional centers anyway. So like I don't think Dwight was that big of a problem in this series. I know he's not great at coming out and, you know, stopping Trey Young floaters, but honestly, yeah, neither, but neither was, was Neither was Joel, and like nobody was. Like it's Trey Young, like I'm sorry, he had the fucking series of his life. I don't yeah. I don't know I don't know what you want anybody to do. You weren't getting a backup big that was stopping that. Like you think the Mamasbe Alicha was going to shut down Trey Young? Right. Like I'm sorry, he's not. So I don't think any of that you know, really matters, but you know, we saw Tobias do this in round one, and this entire season he has such a bounce back year that, like, I, 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 like, again, game five, yeah, pissed, absolutely pissed. You know, like having private conversations with a lot of people on Team Tobias and being like, no, this is unacceptable. I can't defend this, but it's one fucking game, man. And he comes back and he gives it his all. And again, like you said, Marty, nobody gets gets points for trying here, but like you know i'll be interested to see if something comes out about an injury with him whether he is or he isn't like i'm not i'm not well, I'm He not. was
1: banged i mean we know he was injured because he was banged up down the stretch yeah. and he sat a couple of games i think he had some knee stuff going on yeah. i completely agree he definitely like he was rising up like remember the biombo dunk when he absolutely mm-hmm. jammed on bismack and like he got stuffed a couple of times in this series, and I think even in the, series well, where the Wizard like, series, Wizard hmm. series, he had a,
0: a, a it was that game four loss. He had I think he got blocked three or four times in that game. It was yeah, ugly so, because Embiid was out too, so he was the the guy they were focusing on, yeah. and he was just getting demolished.
1: Yeah, uh, it so was I think really he, he lost a little lift. But listen, if he were here next year, and like they, you know, I I don't know. We'll talk about it here in a second, like yeah. <clears throat> trade packages. But you know, like for me, it's always been Beal. Like so, if you had like. Embiid, Beal, and then Tobias was your third guy. I mean, to me, that's like okay. Like (laughs) now, like you know, he's always going to be overqualified for that role, um, and he's going to have nights where he looks dominant because he can take advantage of the matchups. But because of Ben's offensive deficiencies and him having to kind of be that, in a lot of ways, like primary perimeter scorer, it's just he's he's under he can't do that on, on a consistent basis at a really really high level against elite competition.
0: Yeah, and the thing I always draw back to with Tobias is when you look at that big three from Miami with LeBron, like Chris Bosh could never have been the second best player on a title team to me. But he was very – but he's very much overqualified to be the third right. best player. He was like
1: two and – yeah, like two and a half. Yeah, I totally so it's agree. like the
0: perfect scenario. It's like you need to have those and, other two and guys.
1: Any perfectly with that those guys that was the other thing he was such a good fit with yeah
0: and i and tobias definitely has that temperament i don't think tobias at at any point has ever been this guy that's like i have to be the alpha or i even have to be the number two like tobias is like hey i'm here to do a job i'm here to work like he's always had that professionalism he's always had the work ethic. ethic that's always something we talked about even when he was you know not playing well so he was like dude like everywhere he's been everyone that's played with him everybody that's coached him like i know anybody who gets to the league works pretty hard but like there was not a single person ever that had ever come out and said that tobias wasn't the hardest worker in the room that he wasn't putting in the time his entire career even in the nba he had been getting better and better and better is like, tobias is a number one pick who came into the league you know right. with, with riches and talent and has just been yeah. coasting and getting by
2: yeah and that's the type of guy you won as your third star exactly too, so that's I what mean, i mean yeah
0: so it, like, that's the purpose so you have to figure out you know, who's who's the number two? So, obviously, it doesn't look right now like it's Ben Simmons. Steve, I'll start with you. Before we even talk, you know, everyone's going to be talking about this for a while. It's going to come up time and time again. But you're going to have some recency bias, obviously. But just looking at Ben Simmons' trade value, I mean, at this point, do you think that there's even, with the way that he played, do you think that there's enough value to even start looking at packages and thinking that you can get enough back that it actually changes the – perspective for this team in a positive way
2: i think so the issue i see here is that people are either are saying straight up trade him for dame and it's like they're not doing that deal (laughs) but But then some people think that he's just completely untradeable now because he's a max player who just had the worst series of his life i and it's not even like a middle ground i think a a player like ben simmons he's going to get you I, I, I have a hard. I mean, I would love Bradley Beal. I think it'd be really difficult to get him. But and that kind of middle, you know, between one and two tier guys, like I mean, like a Zach Levine, you know, so, someone like that, um, where you're not going to have to give up additional assets because let's face it, you're gonna whoever trades for him is gonna you know to their uh, leverage is gonna be like, hey, he just had a really bad series. He's an overpay. What can you throw in to, you know, offset it a little bit for us? So I think that's going to uh, happen. And then, you know, Ben Simmons still only twenty five, and I think there's 24. at least 24. 24. Okay, I stand corrected. There's definitely going to be at least one or two teams. I'd be like, all right, yeah, he he had the worst series of his life, but there there's going to be teams that going just they're just going to talk themselves into you know what? He's just a jump shot or a free throw away from being LeBron James, and it's like you know that's what we heard way back but i think at his age and his athletic ability there are going to be teams and gms that think that they're going to be the ones that fix him. so i think that's where we kind of have an advantage
0: yeah there's there to me there's no way that there's not several franchises that are are going to eye him up you know smaller markets obviously for the most part that'll say hey like this is a guy that We wouldn't be able to get a potential talent like this here really any other way other than, you know, getting a number one overall pick or, you know, somehow, you know, like the luck that Milwaukee ran into with Giannis, which obviously is so few and far between. The idea of trading for anybody that's basically made like an all NBA team is is completely impossible unless you're giving up a significant amount. I haven't seen anybody dumb enough to say that they can trade him for Dame straight up, but it wouldn't surprise me. But, like, a Dame trade is going to cost you at least one of Maxie and Thibel and at least two first-round picks, well, well, if and, not three. And,
1: and the whole thing is – and, like, this is where, like, Joel is, has to get involved and Daryl has to do his tampering. Like, the only way you get somebody like Dame or Steph or Beal probably – Is they want to come here. If they want to come here, yes. and like think, yeah. everyone thinks that that's so crazy, but I don't know why that's so crazy. Like
0: I don't think it is it, for Dame, and that's what I, that's why I said when Pete, like I said, here here was my my package for Dame was Ben, Maxi, and two firsts, and it doesn't seem like enough when you've seen some of the crazy overpays other teams have done. But Dame can absolutely force his way out of Portland. He has the leverage there. And well, if, if I'm he, Portland, he doesn't,
1: he doesn't. He just signed a huge extension, so like they don't. He doesn't have the like. Well, I can leave in in um,
0: free agency. Lever. Yeah, but like the, like you've, you've the seen how this league thing. works now, Marty. Yeah, like yeah. I know I, he doesn't have all the leverage, but he he's Dame fucking Lillard. And at this point, if I'm Portland and I'm like, okay, like Dame is probably the best player my franchise has ever had, and I don't know when we'll see one like that again. The idea of getting a 24 year old Ben Simmons and trying to build something around him that. You know, just sustains competitiveness in the West for a long time it is pretty enticing to me at this point. So I don't think that that's completely out of the realm of possibility at all. Steph Curry is like a pipe dream. I don't. I mean, I think he's a warrior forever. I have a hard time seeing that franchise letting him go, but you never know. Beal I'm is just, like.
1: I'm just making the point. Like that's if one of those guys were to say it, then it's game on. Yes, because because. Yes. Then all of a sudden it becomes, well, okay, we're the Wizards. We're going to lose Beal for nothing in a year. He says he's going to leave. Like, okay, what can we get? And it's like, even if Simmons just becomes the matching contract in that and the team's, like, not super pumped about him, like, so be it. Like, that doesn't matter to us, like, how they value him. It just matters that you match the contracts. So, uh, you know, again like, that to me, that's how that pathway works. I don't know if there's another way, but but that is not unprecedented, number one. No, not at all. And number two, like, Okay, like there's more glamour markets, sure. Miami can can kind of get to a, a max cap slap, but it seems to me like whatever Miami would trade would leave them so weak, like that. I don't know how they would fill out the rest of the. It's about like
0: Miami trading for Ben.
1: No, like Miami trading for like one of these guys, like Deal uh. or somebody. Like, like it would be to me like you're not. It's not just Hero. Like it would be like Hero plus more. Like, yeah. Well,
0: especially yeah. I mean, Heroes trade values down too, just like Ben's mm-hmm. is right now.
1: Right. So and like okay, New York, like are people the Knicks had a great season, like no taking anything away, but are like I Still guess somebody has to go there first, but but if you're Beal, like you know, Beal, you made you made the playoffs with the Wizards. Like you did just as good as like the Knicks did. Like yeah. what well, why would you run to New York? So like I, I'm that's my only point. Like I wouldn't lose hope that you could get one of those let's say those three are kind of in a tier for me. I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's impossible. And I think People are like too quick to dismiss that. That the like you said, the NBA can change like that. Yes. And all it would take is Steph at the negotiation table with the Warriors for his upcoming extension where they go, you know what? Like we're not really comfortable with this after like what happened to Clay. Like is there like if, if we found a deal for you, is there someone where you wanna go? Well, maybe to play with my brother and I my sure other will. under armor buddy. Like yeah. you would think we'd be on that list. So I
0: I think so for I don't sure. Know. Yeah, no, well, well, Mark, I know you're going to have a lot, which is why I was trying to sneak in before I just give you the platform here. The only, the only other two things that I w- wanted to say was, I mean, one, I'm I'm completely on board with that, Steve. Even when you brought up like lesser tier guys like a Zach Levine, for example. I mean, the unfortunate thing for me is at this point, I I still think even in a Zach Levine deal and a, a couple, a lot of people have been talking about uh, Shagil, just Alexander. C.J. McCollum and, 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 well, so uh, Shy and Zach to me are kind of in a tier where like Ben straight up doesn't do that either I think you're giving sweetener for that which is upsetting I don't think that would have been the case you know at the beginning or in the middle of the season but I think this playoff run is what makes you have to throw something in for guys like that possibly but the, the one the last thing I'll say before I, I give Marty to the floor is when you talk about Steve you mentioned Ben Simmons being on a max and I was I had to talk to a couple people today about this he's on a rookie max people throw the term max around now the same way they throw around fifteen guys in their top five players in the league like there are very different levels of what a max is and like Al Horford mate was on a hundred and nine million dollar contract and got moved like that like Marty said things change that fast like Ben Simmons doesn't make John Wall money. Like, he, no. his contract is movable.
1: Like- Actually, it's. Oh, yeah. I would, I would argue the opposite for Simmons. So, one of the interesting things the, the Sixers did was if you look at some of the recent rookie max extensions, guys like Tatum, they all got a fifth year player option. Ben doesn't have that. So, whatever team acquires him, would have him for four more seasons to build a team around him. So even if you're not in a glamour market, I, I I look at it the opposite way of some people that I think you're referring to. Like I think there's actually value to his contract. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. If you're if you're a place where you're like, you know, he's a flight risk. Well, you have him for four seasons to get it right. Where he would be like, yeah, I want to stay. We're good. Like yeah. you build a championship around me. If that's what you're thinking. So to to me, there, his his contract is actually. You know, it's a max contract, a Max is a max at a rookie scale. It's not a John Wall max for sure, but him having that fourth year without an option actually, to me, I think will make it more appealing to teams that are interested in him. Okay.
0: All right, so, so Mari, talk about you know what what you've what where your brain has gone with. Trade concepts for him at this point. We already threw well, out a lot of obvious I'll, ones.
1: I'll just give you a couple, and i I want I want to hear what Steve thinks, and I'll hear what you think. But first off, like him for CJ, like is a joke. And when I say that, is like to me, it's much more likely that those two teams would swap, swap tj uh CJ and Tobias. To me, that would be a, a trade that like kind of makes sense for both. Where you know Portland gets a little more size um in the front court, a guy that can do some stuff we would get a guy who, you know, you're losing size, but you're gaining a guy who's going to pull the three-pointer, and I think that's, like, one of the biggest things with, with Tobias. So, like, to me, that is that is a trade, in my mind, that, like, is, is more fair. I think, Ben, for CJ, we would definitely be getting assets on top of that, whether it be... Covington, additionally, or like a draft pick, like to me, that's not an even trade. My opinion. I agree. Um, I,
0: I I hate the idea of trading for CJ and Tobias. Makes a lot more sense. And I act like. I spent a lot of time looking at McCollum numbers today, and I had no idea that he actually shot the three point volume that he does at the success rate that he does. He's like a career forty percent guy at like seven or eight attempts a game. Yeah, like. he will pull the trigger.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Offensively, he would be it would be like, whoa, it would be like Seth on steroids. <laughs> and we don't have to get too deep into CJ. But then if you have you can't play him and Seth together in the playoffs no. in the backcourt, you'll get fucking roasted. So um, but but, you know, there could be a Tobias trade there. I don't think it's CJ. I think there's two ways this deal goes. One is Ben goes to a place like Golden State where they go, listen. You know, yeah, we, we, we need you to, you know, shoot and do the whole thing and make foul shots, but like just be you what you were like six months ago and a year ago, um, not the very re- most recent, and we'll take care of the points. But like, we need that defensive player, we need that, we need someone to create for Clay and for Steph. And in and the same, like, and what they would be able to do then is they could send back a contract. I'm not worrying about the player, a contract like Wiggins to match. But then they have their own lottery pick this year. They have a Minnesota lottery pick that they can give us. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, if you're a Daryl, you're like, I've got now I've got some real draft equity assets. I've got Wiggins who only has two years left on his deal. I've got Tobias. I can now go after, let's say a Beal comes available or somebody, and maybe they weren't as hot on Simmons. You go, okay, fine. We'll give you Wiggins. Take Wiggins for two years. You know, we got to match the money. Here's this Minnesota draft pick. That could be number four or five. Our draft pick, which, could, you know, is top 12, you know, Golden States. And then three more future. For, like, I think there could be something like that. There could be something with, like.
0: But then why um, doesn't Golden State just do that?
1: Well, one is, if it's like Beale specifically, he's due for a max super max extension as well after the season. So, okay. We just talked about the value of Ben's contract right. of being locked up for four years on that kind of original rookie deal. Do they have the stomach to like they're already paying Clay into the 40s? Steph's contract would be like probably an average annual value of 50 million if he were to sign an extension. And then you'd add Beal for over 40 million a year. So, oh, I, so in this scenario,
0: add, Steph is maxing himself there. Correct. Okay. were so okay, like okay. We're committing to Steph and Clegg. and you're not worried about the Ben and Draymond overlap because, like, Draymond became and, a hell of a
1: facilitator, and and maybe maybe you are eventually, but maybe you're also like, well, let's take advantage of Draymond's skill, like expertise here that Ben can learn from him, and that like, we can move Draymond down the line, or you know, maybe we you know maybe we don't we split their minutes as much as possible, like you know, and keep Draymond uh, uh, more healthy and rested for the playoffs. I just think it could be a deal like that, where it's like a a good team that's kind of already has their team in place that has some fungible assets and just wants Ben to be Ben. Then I think there could be something like a Cleveland that's like, listen, take this Kevin Love contract. We'll give you Colin Sexton and we'll give you this like number six pick we have this year. And the same idea. So like we took back kind of a shitty contract in Love But now you've got, like, Colin Sexton, who I think a lot of people would be interested in, as a, you know, guy that's putting up 20 points a game. He's only, like, 21, 22 years old. Um, And then that really high draft pick. And then the same thing. Now I've got Kevin Love's deal that I can maybe move, Tobias I can maybe move to match match money, and I've got some more draft assets that I can do. The big thing, what I'm trying to say with, like, the Ben deal is don't necessarily think of it as, like, I'm trading Ben for this guy. It could be. I'm trading Ben to this team to get this stuff and then I'm taking this stuff plus Maxi plus whatever whatever and I'm going to get this guy. Right. I think that's what will, is likely to happen. So you're
2: saying that a Ben a more likely Ben trade isn't going to be him stri- you know straight up for another uh, star w- with some assets. I mean this could potentially be a three even a four team yes. trade. I think yeah. I actually think or it's, it's just like more different li- steps.
1: Yep, I think so
0: it's like Ben. More ben gets you happen. ammunition for the move because Marty, you've been on here during the season. We've talked about this about Maury planning for that big move. So instead of the Ben trade being the big move, the solution that fixes it, it's just getting you the last bit of ammunition you need to to pull the trigger on the actual move that gets you over the top.
1: Correct, and even I mean, and even if there's there are a few cap teams out there like if the Spurs, the Knicks, like if one of them were to take Ben into their salary space and send you back a decent pick or whatever, now you've got that traded player exception and you could take a star that makes that money or less into that money. So I, I, I'm not saying I don't think Ben could be traded for one of the guys we really want. Right. And, and I'm with you. Like I, Levine would be I'd be thrilled with that. Um, but I, I don't think that's like the only path. And that's why I think they can move him this summer because I don't think it's just about, like, oh, his value is not as high. I think there's still value you can get for him and so even if a team isn't like, well, we don't really want Ben, it's like, okay, well, what if we got you five first round picks and one of them is like a top 10 pick this year? Now, does that change the equation? If it's a team that's like going into a rebuild, which they would be if they're trading whatever star, would be like, yeah. So
0: let me ask you both this, because I think, I think we covered pretty well about the potential ideas of it. I mean, would you... Give any consideration to Ben still being here next year? Do you think that there is any way that without a big move that this same core goes back next year and they can get anything any more right than this year? Or are you are you at the point where you think it, you gotta you gotta get it done?
2: He's gotta go, man. I'm with That's Steve. where I am at. Yeah, because I mean, he's had five years to figure it out with the shot, and uh, I think we talked before we recorded about how. He's not playing in the Olympics this year for Australia. And Ben and um, excuse me, Doc has already came out and said, "Oh, we have a plan for him to work on it." Well, this that's what summer. I was going to say.
0: You guys, you guys don't believe the ESPN story today that Doc Rivers said no. that uh, Ben well, is prepared to do the work to fix his shot this summer, and that the well, Sixers have the
1: plan to do it. What's the saying? No. F- fool me, for me, <laughs> one shame on you. Fool me, twice shame on me. Like. We can't Three strikes, again. you're we can't out. Can't be fooled again. <laughs> like I- yeah. So,
0: so, and that brings me to the other thing because it's insane that they would actually come out on the same day that uh, Yaron Weissman wrote a a huge Ben Simmons piece, and there's so much to dissect there. I think that might require an entire episode to really dissect. But the the thing that stood out to be the most of that entire thing, and and I sent you guys both the link to this, was the fact that you know Brett and the Sixers had set Ben up with a shooting coach and they were seeing the progress from him working with said coach and then Ben's camp came back after after that season and said, you know what, no, we want him to work with, uh, what was it, like a cousin or a brother or something yeah. who's like a, a pretty low-tier, like D1 athlete and then was, is like a D2 college coach and yeah. all of a sudden all his numbers start regressing again?
2: So here's, here's my thing. I don't, so I think it was his stepbrother, and he was a, a Division II uh, college player and a coach. Um, him being in a Division II isn't what bothers me. What bothers me is my takeaway from that whole story was that Ben is one of these athletes in any sport where he has a camp. Yep. You're not just dealing with the player, you're dealing with mom, dad, you know, auntie, second cousin. You know, um, your uncle's the age. Oh, you didn't
0: enjoy the Markel Fultz mother experience?
2: No, but, like, dude, like, more often than not when these guys have not just a player, but their camp, there's just all these issues. There's too many cooks in the kitchen, as they say, and I just feel like we, we, you know, we've been down this road before, and I just don't see Ben, you know, whether it's him having to distance himself from all these people and— And I just, I don't know, man, if nothing happened this season, last season, um, you know, going back to earlier when I talked about Doc, you know, if this season's proved anything that what isn't Doc's fault is we brought on a a coach who has won a title and Ben Simmons did not, you know, change at all. He didn't, you know, a different experienced coach didn't change that. And I don't, and it's just like, dude, this five year, it hasn't worked. If Ben figures it out, it's just not happening here. Yeah,
1: I, I, I think there's, I can, you could convince me that he can figure out a best version of himself, one who, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be like a three point shooter, but that has a little bit of a bag down low in terms of like a post game and can make his free throws. I, I can see that happening, but I don't, I don't think it can happen here, man. I think, dude, that you, you titled the the pod, I think you know, very apropos. Like, dude, that pass. Some I think it was Meech who said this. Um, if you guys follow him on Twitter, like, yep. um, it's like if you remember this from Ricky Waters, like the for who, for what, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it it's almost like the basketball version of that, where you're just like, bro, like you can't. I I just don't know how you would come back from that. I don't know, man. I don't I don't see it, I, and I don't. Here's the other thing, like I don't hate Ben Simmons, man. Like I'm not trying no, to like at him deal. on Twitter, and like I, to be honest, man, I think there's some like real deep shit there and not just with him but with his family and and you you know people that follow the Sixers closely kind of probably know what I'm alluding to and I don't want to get into it but like yeah there's some stuff like from a mental perspective Mm. with that whole family um, and some things that have gone on that I'm sure weighed on him a lot this year and who knows what what the truth is and I don't want to speculate but I just don't think it's a good situation for him to be here next year and I think um, they owe it to themselves to like exhaust every possible avenue of le- of using him to improve the team. And it's not it's not personal for me. Um, you know, guys go through stuff. We've all been through, like, you know, mental things in our life. We also all don't have, like, $30 million. So it, it does come with the territory. It just does. That's yeah. pro sport. Oh, and, and
0: yeah. you know, not not to compare it to that whatsoever. I mean, Marty, everything you said is absolutely correct. But, you know, like, I, I was emotionally devastated from last night. I got up and went to work today and did my job. Like, you have a job to do. You get paid to do your job, you're not getting the job done. Unfortunately, that is that is almost every business is. Yep. You gotta show up and you gotta do the job. That's really what it comes down to. Football real, guy. Real real quick, guys, percentage chance that Ben Simmons is here for game one of the regular season next
2: season. I'm gonna put it at fifteen percent.
1: I'm gonna say ten.
2: Oh, wow, you guys
0: I think I probably sit at like twenty five, and this is obviously all, you know just kind of bullshit anyway, but, all right. so we're all pretty low. You guys are lower than me. I'm, I'm am i I'm do you, a little, do you lo- have
1: any, like you, you guys threw out some names. Like, do you have any trade? I know. I mean, people, unfortunately it's just the world we live in. Like, and I get it. I, I'm like this too. Like, do you have any like trades like that? You know, I, I know like Darren Fox is one I've, I've heard. That's that that mine. I think you could actually get
0: that one done pretty much straight up. I think the value is pretty even, which is what's I'd appealing to me because it just doesn't really require you to, to do much else. My thing is I'm not packaging him with a bunch of stuff. I'm not, not like, unless it's Dame, like, like we talked about, like if, if yeah. that's what it takes, then fine. But outside of, of Dame, like I'm not giving picks or thibal or Maxi because here's, here's, here's the thing. Here's the last thing I'll say. My biggest thing is if, if you're talking about trading Ben Simmons, like Yes, yeah, no one on this team besides Joel Embiid is really untouchable. But, like, if you're trading Ben Simmons, it kind of makes me think that Matisse is untouchable because somebody's got to play fucking defense. Right. So, like, right. I, yeah. Like, and, 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 like, what's the point in trading a kid that, like, one, he's still on a rookie deal, which is important to a team that's capped out like this. Two, he, he's not going to get the offense together, as far as I'm concerned, which only means that, like, you're probably going to be able to, you know, re-up him when it comes time at a pretty reasonable number because he's going to a defensive specialist he's not going to be some guy who's going to become a superstar like he's a defensive player fortunately you know the money doesn't really come in for them the same way so like i just don't think that if you're having to to package him to get rid of ben like ben's value is already unfortunately like going to cost you a little bit i'm not like hurting myself even more by now giving up other valuable assets to do so
1: yeah. Ben and picks is where you're at. Like you're mm-hmm. you're doing Ben and picks, but you don't want to include current guys. Like my thought and was,
0: if if it's for Dame, I can move Maxi because honestly, I don't give a fuck if I have Tyrese Maxi if I have Damian right, Lillard. But like right. that's what I mean. It has to be that guy. It has to be literally like the best scoring guard in the league to the point where uh, I know Dame will play 44 minutes in a playoff game and drop 40 to 50 points.
2: Right. Oh hey, uh, Dan, you still have your Tyrese Maxi Shirsey in my car just watching. Oh, okay,
1: well maybe I won't I'll, need it. I want to put a pin in, in in something you said and come back to it, but Steve, do you have like your like one like top one or two like trade ideas for Ben? Let's just get them out there.
2: For me, it's it's Dame. It's because I, man, I, I would love Seth Curry. Don't get me wrong, but that's a, Seth, that's yeah. a pipe dream. I just, yeah, Steph. Uh, I I don't see that happening. I would love Dame. My biggest concern is, you know, when you bring up these hypotheticals. I think it's very easy to get carried away. And what you end up doing is you're overcorrecting the problem. Um, But I think that's what's good about Daryl Morey because we all knew that it was going to take Ben, Tyrese, and Matisse and picks to get Harden. Um, Would you do that same trade with Dame? I mean, I think most of us would, but would Daryl Morey?
1: I think they I think he would now I think after you know losing out sure, on night yeah. I think he would so Dan you had a good tweet that I, I saved and it was like the Nets were you know built top heavy and this is what happens right like you right. you have a top three and then you don't have anything else and you have guys playing 48 minutes that's what I don't want to see happen like that's the one fear I have about Moria. as much as like we're all about like get buckets guys and I don't want to roll in next year and be like, okay, we've got a great starting five and like literally nothing on the bench with no way to improve it because we have no cap space and, and we used all of our assets to acquire Dame and whoever, like it might be like, you've got to have seven guys. you got to have seven, eight guys in the playoffs. And you really probably need like nine or 10 mm-hmm. to get through the regular season. So, I, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about Maxi because we we were talking before the the show and like, I'm a little hesitant to like pencil him in as a starting guard next year, Same. unless you acquire like a deal or somebody, then it's like, okay, fine. You know, he, he's a really good player. I would feel much better going into next year. Even if it's like you get Lowry somehow and it's like, you got him for an, a year or two before, like you'd really roll Maxi in. I'm not totally convinced that like, he's, he's a true starter. Like, I, I would have liked to have seen him go a little bit more toe to toe with Trey Young, and, and I didn't see that. I'm not saying he backed down or anything, but to me, the the difference in talent was like very noticeable to me. And I mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen like, oh wow, like Maxi just traded buckets with him on a couple possessions. Like, I, so what do you like? Are you guys like set on Maxi like he's us the starting guard, like point guard next year no. for the team? Or are you sort of like, hey, let's kind of wait and see how this offseason goes? plays
0: out. He, his his perfect scenario right now is the role that he's in. It's come in and basically do whatever you want, be an absolute, you know, wrecking ball. And that suits his game really well. I have not seen much from playmaking. We saw up and down defense and I think especially, like, one of my biggest, and, you know, maybe this isn't the right way to think about it at all. I'm not saying that this is the way, like, you know, the franchise should look at it or that, you know, a regular person may look at it. Unfortunately, this franchise has made me not a normal person, um, you know, however normal I was before all of this. But, like, I, I don't want him ruined either. I want him to develop. I want him to get his time. Again, you know, I talked about, you know, we talked about a lot of people, like, not being number one, but like Ben Simmons was a number one pick. So all the criticism, all the stuff everyone wants to talk about, I get it. Like he was groomed for this. He's been projected to do this. Like expectations come with that. All, all season, everyone's like, oh, my God, Max, he fell to 21. Max, he fell to 21. And it's like, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have been drafted 21st, but this dude was not going to be a number one overall pick. There are holes in his game. He's small. And like Doc came out today and like, Sounded much more confident than he did after the game last night, which I think is another thing um, unrelated to this. But, like, you kind of have to take anything anybody said last night with a grain of salt, and I'm putting a lot more value into things they said today once they got to sleep on it. Same reason I didn't want us to try and do anything after that game. I think doing it tonight, you know, was the best-case scenario. Is like, you know, one of Doc's big things about, uh, you know, when they went to the bench was, like, every time we subbed one person off the court, we got too small. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, Maxie was one of the reasons you got too small. And Marty, you said this early in the episode. And it's exactly right. As great as Seth Curry looked, lighting it up on the scoreboard, he was bleeding those points out at the other end. The Kevin fucking hurt her, for fuck's sake. So, like, there, there's a trade off there. And even when I know everybody knows Furkan Korkmaz is my thing, and people were clamoring, "Oh, Maxi should start over Furkan in this series." It's like, why? What is he going to do with the starting lineup that's going to help? You think that? Do you want him driving up against Clint Capella and taking no. possessions away from Joel Embiid? Like, sorry, that's not what I want him to do. And, and
1: they needed the space. They needed the spacing from Furkan. That, right. And that they that and was, they needed I, Furkan I to be
0: six seven.
1: Like, yeah. Like, again,
0: I, it, I I think people literally watched this whole series and still didn't realize how tall everyone on the Hawks is. Like they literally the only guys that come off their bench are Danilo, Danilo Gallinari and it was Herder until they put him in the starting lineup. And both those guys. I mean, Gallinari is what six ten, Herder six seven. John Collins is six eight. Capella's like six eleven. They didn't, they didn't have. Like, they, didn't right, have they, didn't, uh, they didn't even have Hunter in yeah. the series. Like the only small players they had was Trey Young and Lou Williams, and everyone else was fucking huge. Yep.
2: Yeah, it, it, like, yeah, and the other thing was not talked Dan, about made a, Yeah, Dan, you made a good point about you know we're we're scared of uh, ruining Tyrese Maxey by just throwing him in a starting lineup next year uh, because this franchise isn't the best at player development, and as as many strides as Joel Embiid has made, you know he's. We know about, you know, the uh, – was it Drew, Drew Hanlon? Was he that trainer that he worked in the summer? Well, that's Joel Embiid's trainer. Or I'm and, sorry. And, and Zach Levine's
1: and Brad Beal And Jason everyone. Tatum. Right, yeah, so, like,
2: <laughs> the work's there. Um, but I will say, if we don't lose uh, Sam Cassell to another uh, coaching staff – Which
0: we probably I mean, are.
2: Which we probably are. But, man, like, like, knowing how he was as a player – Man, he would be the perfect assistant to develop Tyrese, but Well, here here's yeah. my here's
0: my last thing for him as a starter too because of a lot of the things we talked about is my only other thing is like I don't think you need to pencil him in or or like project him as a starter next season, but here's the thing. He started 8 games this season. Like I, I'm fine with him getting starts and yeah. if you bring in, you know, if if it was a staff, if it was a Kyle Lowry, like there's a lot of guys that you can bring in and like They're going to miss time. A lot of guys miss time. So, like, it's great that you have Maxi, who, you know, in 10 to 15 games next year, if he starts, fine. That's great. I love that for him. I'll love that experience and everything. But when you're talking about his role on the best version of this team, it is not in the starting lineup. And I don't really think it matters who you have alongside him. Like – um, Marty you said you know if, if Beal's here he could and yeah maybe you can get away with it but I still think even with a guy like Bradley Beal I'd rather just have like if I have Bradley Beal again it's just like mouths the feed like I'd rather have a, a distributing point guard uh, an initiating point guard and then again I'd, I you know if Bradley Beal's a guy that can play 30 40 minutes a game then great Max he's the guy that in the 10 minutes that Bradley Beal doesn't play is is my offense and that's great
1: yeah i agree i mean um i more so in just that if you know we were to use you know a a ton of assets and you really didn't have any choice i I would be i could live with maxi in that yes um, exactly in that lineup but i just i'm not trying to to like shit talk maxi i just i want to be careful of like how much stock we put in him i know he works hard and i think he could get there one day but to your point i don't want to ruin him and i don't the best version of this team next year he's our sixth man and he comes in and he's like to Lou Williams like he's the Mm -hmm, type of guy where it's like he's like yeah we've got a guy on our bench that can score 15 a game and can go off for 20 and can do a lot of fun stuff and can play in the playoffs like all those things are true but you don't have to like and you can use him for spot starter minutes in games if you miss a guy for a couple weeks but you're not putting all that pressure on him at 21 22 years old to be like oh yeah like the problems we've been having as an organization like for the past five years of like not having that lead guard, like it's all on you now. <laughs> like I don't want, I don't want to do that to like,
0: him. He, I, this is probably a very unpopular opinion, and I could very well change my mind on this, you know, before the season, depending on the roster construction. But a, as things are right now, like if you said, okay, like we're gonna have an, uh, a star player that isn't Ben, and they're not a point guard, I probably would start Shake Milton before I would start Tyrese Maxey. He's bigger. He's more Ooh. point. He's more point guardish to me. Than Maxi is right now. I just would trust him more to initiate an offense, especially if he goes like into you know like a training camp with the understanding that he would be the starting point guard. I like at least for a year. I think that that would work out better than than potentially Maxi would. And again, I'd rather Maxi's scoring come off the bench.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I'm quite as high on Shake. I don't. I don't I'm not high on shake, shake at all.
0: But one, I mean, he's going to be here because of his contract.
1: Yeah. So he likely, needs a role. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think we've said this before too. But um, I, as bad as our bench was, there's aspects of our bench that I like. If we were actually able to like bring back Furkan, you know, having Shake on his deal, having Maxi, having Matisse, I'd feel like we're like missing just one more like really like blue blood bench guy like, like a veteran, competent George Hill. Yeah, a hundred percent right. A hundred percent right. A competent George Hill, and then. Please, Daryl, like and it won't matter because Ben's not here, but like just a a real backup for Joel, like a long term solution that like even if we lose the minutes when he plays, you're losing them by like a point or two and not like these disastrous like minutes where you can't even get away with it for seven minutes in a playoff.
2: I mean, I don't see Tony Bradley, uh, you know, make doing that for us in the playoffs. But man, when, when we got rid of him, it's like uh, it hurt man. I, I, yeah, man, it's, it's like, like I like Tony Bradley, man. Me and too. But you. it's like, yeah, I don't know if he was going to be the answer
0: in a second round series. But you yeah. don't, I guess you don't
1: know that he couldn't have been. He did look really good. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So what's I guess we're we're coming up on like ninety minutes here. Yeah. Do you, what do you do? You, I don't have much else. I mean, do you have any like parting shots? Like I'm I'm going to take a little step back from from like. The whole uh, in day in and day out Sixers thing for a little while, unless yeah, like same. you know some major move happens. But I think I'm gonna let it breathe for a couple weeks and, and try to get my win back. What about you guys? Uh,
0: I went in the full we I went in the full brewery uh, promotion mode today. Emailed a bunch of breweries. Going to try and get out and do our interviews and do our thing fortunately that's what keeps us going in the summer so we don't have to sit here and talk about this every single goddamn week so um, we already have flyers out there with some pretty big breweries in philly, philly and new jersey so i'm really really excited for that um, everything else i had was pretty quick hit so we can probably hit it and wrap it up uh, doc had a quote about telling danny green in like an exit interview today or something that you know he, he's not going anywhere that he'll be back i guess you know do you guys put any value in that and you know do you want danny back i mean like real quick do you you think that Danny's injury like had that big of a impact on the series or do you think that you know things probably kind of go
1: a lot the same no if I, he's there or not? I think it hurt and I think a I think lot. I think it hurt a lot and just again just from the rotation standpoint like again people are like so mad about Doc's lineups like you know you pencil Danny in for 30 32 minutes a night and I know he would struggle with Trey in that game one and, and and that's something Doc deserves blame for for sure but you know that was 32 minutes that we wouldn't have had to use bench players for right,
2: yeah. And Danny Green, just that veteran presence, like he was the guy that could give us that big shot at the end, and he wasn't there for it, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people look at that game one and uh, him being assigned the tray, which is a travesty to begin with, and and that like somehow. Uh, became a detriment to all the things that he brought for an entire season. And again, I know it's something that the three of us were always high on, even when he had a a slower start out the gate. So um, it's probably not anything new from the three of us to anybody listening. But yeah, I I think that that's not going to get, uh, he's not going to get the credit he deserves for the difference he probably could have made in that series. Um we talked a lot about Darren Moore at the top of the episode. He is apparently gonna have a press conference tomorrow at eleven AM. You know, he he he's been a wild ride this season. Like he's he's been a lot more public than I kind of expected him to be. He's a lot more on Twitter than I expected him to be. You know, this feels like a very status quo situation. Do you guys expect it to just be, you know, the same cookie cutter stuff we get? Uh, across sports in general in a situation like this or do you think that based on how he's kind of been since he got here that you know we might get some we, we might have to you know queue up another episode sooner than we thought just to you know to break down what Daryl gives us tomorrow
2: so i think it is going to be cooker, cookie cutter but there's going to be some sprinkles of uh tampering. Mm.
1: That's what I expect. <laughs> cookie cookie cutter with some sprinkles. I like that. I like
0: cookies yeah. with sprinkles. I'm not opposed to that. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, I think, yeah, I, I I don't know about, like, the tampering as much as... I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear him speak positively about Ben for, like, obvious reasons. Yeah. Like, I think... Because he's going to be asked about that directly, and, you know, he'll give an answer. He'll be like, look, like, you know, do we want him, like, to shoot more? Like, yeah, like, but... You know, we can't you know neglect all the good things that he does and offense he creates. Like I think he'll try to spin some positivity around Ben and, and start that like positive PR <clears throat> campaign, and, and that, that would be like my number one expectation. I don't expect to get too much out of it, but it, it's it's good he's doing it, and um, he still owes me a lunch. So um, that's we'll right. Be, we'll be making sure he pays up on that. Yeah, and we def
0: I, we definitely need all the de- whatever details can be shared yeah i'm hope i
1: hoping i can sneak it in before free agency starts that would okay. be my hope all right. we'll well, see. you let you let us know when we need
0: to start pressuring and we'll make sure to get the, like, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I will. we'll round uh round the troops and get the pressure started and make sure that comes to fruition um all right guys anything else you have before we go
1: nah man just everyone have a good safe summer um i'm sure you oh. know we'll, we know it's not going to be an uneventful you know sixers off season it never is never hopefully is. hopefully it'll be in a a positive way I, again i'm not as um downtrodden as maybe others are today just because uh, you know everyone in the nba loses except for one team and mm-hmm. um you know I, w- I there was like this big controversy of like doc saying like he saw the season as a success or something like that and you know i, I don't know if he should have said that or not i don't know that i would say it's a success but i think i think there are positives to build on where last summer it seemed like Where do we go from here? I think now, like we're at, like we know exactly where we need to go from here.
0: Yeah, that was that kind of goes back to my point about taking everything they said last night with a grain of salt. But I would say that one in the wrong way. Like, if he would have said that, you know, like on Wednesday, then maybe it wouldn't have hurt as much. But when he says it immediately after the game, it's like, dude, please just shut the fuck up, please this is not the time for this season was a success. I'm sorry. So that's like one of those yeah. things. And especially like, dude, he's, been, I mean, obviously he's been here. He has a terrible playoff record despite having won a championship. So, I mean, he's been here. He has to know better than the spew, that kind of stuff last night. I like that. That's honestly the only part of it that bothered me. Yeah. I mean, we all talk, you know, I said, you know, we like enjoy the season it was a great season. Obviously not the result, but what, a, what a fun season. And I mean, Know, me, me and Steve were always Brett defenders and everything, but I spent most of this season trying to give Doc Rivers as much credit as I could. I really think he did a great job. I, I trolled everybody a little bit today, saying Brett would have won the series, uh, which got a couple people mad at me. Right. But um, is as pure pure troll. Um, one of the few, you know spots I was able to find myself just giggling a little bit so you know whatever whatever you need to do to to get yourself in that situation I I completely understand and you know implore you to do as long as it doesn't you know hurt anybody and as long as you can you know admit when you're you know having fun with it or just you know tweeting through it so to speak which I I definitely did a little bit of today Steve you have anything
2: else no just like uh, Mario said make sure everyone enjoy your summer be safe if you need a, a complete sabbatical from sports, I'll support you. If you want to support the Suns, that's fine. Uh, you know, I know we do have our a little overlap of soccer and basketball, guys. It's a good time to watch soccer, and uh, as long as it's not a weekend night, I'll—or uh, excuse me, a week night—I I do have uh, season tickets for the Union. But we are also a beer podcast. Things are kind of back to normal now, so. Make sure you support your local breweries, and let us know if you go anywhere new or different. You know that's something to keep an eye out.
0: Yeah, the one thing I was discussing today, um, you know, some people were like, "All right, so you know, what's what's going to be the plan for you guys for the summer?" And obviously, the brewery stuff is is the big thing. But Steve, I I, I finally turned you on the Ted Lasso, and there's a new season of that coming out soon. So yes, speaking of soccer, yeah, July twenty third. I think that's something that I want us to to spend some time on when it comes out. Maybe do like like two episodes, like. Do a, a pod for like every two episodes or something, and just kind of talk about it. Okay. Because man, I love that fucking show so much. And so Jason good. that's is great. So freaking good. So I'm in. I think that's I great. think that might be like our last dance of this year.
1: Good call.
2: <laughs> yeah. Until reading something's... books is hard, watching TV is much more yeah. easier. Than that. <laughs> uh,
0: Marty, did you read the the Jake Fisher book about tanking?
1: Oh, I haven't had a chance yet. That's on my agenda. Okay. This yeah. Summer, hopefully. That,
0: that's another thing we have on our list. I bought the book, but I, I wasn't reading it until the season was over, which again, I was hoping I had a little bit more time. Uh, but now I got I to gotta crack into that and then get it over to Steve to read. So uh, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, hopefully be able to get Jake on. I did talk to him about that a little bit. So we'll figure out stuff, but yeah, we'll probably take a little bit of a break. Um Marty, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm sure oh, it's anybody pleasure, fucking man. listening to this already providing follows the platform for Marty, you. but uh, at MW Teller on Twitter, Steve's at SWJones87. I am at Dan Says That. For Marty and Steve, I'm Dan. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been a hell of a season. This is our third season uh, doing the podcast, and it's been incredible, and I'm excited to keep it going uh, for a fourth season when that comes. But we'll be here through the summer telling you what we're drinking, finding out what you're drinking, Uh, watching, reading, I don't know, whatever the hell else. So thanks everybody. Um, It's been fun. We'll talk to you soon and trust the podcast.